0: Back to the Chasing Sunday podcast, where we help worship leaders get off the ministry treadmill and stop chasing Sunday after Sunday because you're tired. You're just so tired. It's just you're just you're tired. stop it. Just stop. Just stop running on. Just just quit it. That's what we. That's what we're here to say. Just stop it. And that's the end of that episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Which will be the first uh time that we stop this episode early. Um so uh I'm I'm Brian Davis. I'm Paul RomagLevitt. And and we are we are your hosts. Um and uh we're we're so glad that you're listening and uh yeah, thank you so much for, for tuning into us and we've got a really uh a, a really fine episode. Right. I've you. been
1: waiting for this one. Yeah. I've been waiting for this one. I mean I've been thinking about it for months. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have been wanting to get, oh my gosh. Oh, that's is that? so I've got the, <laughs> stop <laughs> it. Do
0: not disturb. Oh, you're very important. My that gosh. There's a lot of text is, messages coming through. Is
1: yes. trying to get to me?
0: Let um, it be known, Paul R. McLevitt is very
1: important. I'm sure it's all attractive ladies. I don't know. <laughs> I <I'm, I'm, laughs> <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I'm married, by the way. Yes. So I guess you're I, by by that I mean my <laughs> wife and two daughters are trying to. Yes. That's making it worse. I'm just digging you're myself just deeper and deeper. So so stop it. Uh, anyway, anyway, this episode is gonna be dynamite. 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 Uh, because yeah, Dan Daniel Wakefield. Yeah. Is uh, has been a longtime friend and colleague uh and he's just amazing and in order to um fully grasp really what that why we're so excited i i'm i'll just kind of read his bio daniel Mm -hmm. is a composer he's a songwriter he's a musician he composes music for film and stage enjoying writing for orchestra, choir, folk instruments, and electronic music. He also teaches music both privately and as a professor at our our all alma mater, if I can say that correctly, um, <laughs> our old college, uh, Brian, where Brian and I and Daniel went to uh, college, uh, Colorado Christian University, as well as leading worship at churches along the Front Range in Colorado. And he has been married to his mm-hmm. wife, Mariana, for 15 years, and they have... Three growing boys, so it's, it's going to be a good one. We get yeah. into
2: it.
0: Yep, and, and yeah, Dan's just an all-around great guy. A um, couple things uh, that that I'm excited to debut in this episode. Um, one, uh, we, we changed the name of the podcast to The Dan Wakefield Show. Yeah. So, um, so be ready for that. Uh, and um, we play a new game called Guess... That middle name. So, oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, uh, I don't want to give it too much away, but I'm pretty good at it. So, um, yeah, enjoy this episode of Chasing Sunday with our good friend Daniel Wakefield.
1: Okay. Daniel E. Wakefield. Welcome to the Chasing Sunday podcast. We are so Grateful. What does the E stand for, Daniel E. Wakefield?
2: Well, you know that's a great question because people usually ask me, and then I say, "Well, what do you think it stands for?" Oh, and Ooh. and I don't. I think so, maybe once I've had somebody guess it correctly. Do you want to try so to guess? So
0: mysterious. So here's a new uh new segment for the show.
1: <laughs> guess the middle name. Guess the middle uh, name. Is it one of those uh, well, things my, where it could be anything you want it to be? It was just like. No, I mean, you just let people. <laughs> it's just <laughs> no,
0: a letter. i uh, Take no, a guess. I, I want to I try to guess. Yeah. I want to try to guess. Uh, so my dad's middle name is Eugene. Is it really? Yeah. That's your dad's middle name? Yeah. That's my middle so name. So That's it. Is it really? Did it I is? guess it? You got
2: it. First oh. try.
0: That is really cool. Huh. Man, who is just the best
1: podcast host? Who's the best? Someone else. (laughs) We should tour you around (laughs) guessing people's middle names.
0: Yeah. So that's it for this week's episode of of guess that middle name. Tune in next time. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review.
1: Um, But we're, we're, we're more than just middle names. We're more about Mm. than just middle names. And I'm so grateful to have you on the show because, uh, we have known you uh, for very long, both Brian and I, we both went, we all three of us went to the same Christian university, both pursued um, uh, careers in music and in ministry in many ways. And, uh, and we've also taken different paths and just kind of meandered around. And you've continued to do amazing things. Um, And maybe uh, the first, first way to kind of get us off in the, uh, in our conversation would just be, uh, tell us a little bit about, um, I don't know, what was the tradition of church that, that you came from sort of your tradition of, of ministry and, and, and where did you come from Daniel E. Wakefield? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up in a, a Christian church. Um, so just non-denominational, didn't really have any affiliation. Um, and, you know, for me, I think the thing that always stood out the most growing up was the music. And uh, so, you know, I grew up with hymns. We had hymns and we would sing out of the hymnal, and there was a pianist and an organist. Um, when I got into college, the church wanted to start a contemporary service. And so I actually was the one who started the contemporary service. With one of the other pastors, mm. and so I played the guitar, and it was me singing on the acoustic, and then we had a pianist and a few vocalists. So the fact that it was somebody with an acoustic guitar, and we were doing things that were not hymns, was that was a big deal. You know, that was that was a new departure. Um, and uh, and then you know, going to to CCU is where I my worship world as far as music is concerned continued to expand and um started to get more into the the things that was the late 90s right started to get more into that that era of the worship music daryl evans and um hillsong and vineyard was still pretty big then and, and i haven't listened to vineyard much these days lately but um yeah so that that was kind of my upbringing um Getting into college, so yeah. was there
0: was there any uh, was there any tension that you had to that you had to deal with in in starting that contemporary service in what sounds like a fairly uh, kind of traditional church, uh, or were you kind of shielded from that? Being a younger leader, did some of the higher ups kind of take that heat if there was any, or was it just a completely seamless, smooth transition? <laughs>
1: Like it is in all churches, yeah. Always I mean, most, smooth.
0: I
2: would say most churches. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is the
0: most wonderful thing that, right, that anyone right. has ever done.
2: Um, well, I, uh, you know, the the pastor that was in charge of doing it was was great. Um, so, I mean, from the leadership and most of the people, it was it was fairly smooth for me. Um, but I do remember, and I actually still have this somewhere um our church did silent roll call cards and where you would wow. you would each sunday you would fill it out and say this is how many people are here and you know you could check a box if you had decided to give your life to christ and that kind of thing and then you could mm-hmm. drop it in the offering plate and people would usually use that to write notes on the back if they had something mm-hmm. they wanted to share with the staff or whatever, <laughs> so something you, encouraging. You right? are so right.
0: you're so diplomatic about the way that you say that. <laughs> That's so great. It's not a complaint. It's not uh, a suggestion. Yeah. It's just something that they want to share. Yeah, they're just. I sharing. love that about you. Like, so, so so I great. got an
2: anonymous, silent roll call card mm. written to me um, that talked, and uh, I forget now the exact wording. I should find it again, but um, <laughs> something about it being the Dan Wakefield show. Mm. and i was like mortified you know i was trying to <laughs> yeah I was trying to like do something worship and direct people to god and have this encounter yeah. in music and stuff <laughs> so that <laughs> it's the i it's remember the it, it was pretty heavy getting that but oh i bet yeah. but then you know i just i laugh about it anymore and it's you know what's fascinating to me is that it it plays
1: off kind of one of the core fears that a lot of leaders have is somebody's going to, somebody's going to think that I'm just doing this for myself. And I'm like, you know, uh, I will have tried to do this from a genuine authentic place and somebody, but it it will be somehow subverted for the fact that I I feel like I want to be a rock star or something Mm. like that because of how, how people misunderstand what's happening on a stage, mm-hmm. you know, or with leadership, or stuff like that, and uh, and uh, I, I I definitely had that feeling too, and so I act from this place of like, okay, I may not say the things I should say or do the things I should do because I'm afraid of how I'm going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's mm-hmm. going to write that. Of course, it's anonymous. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be it's yeah, gonna like. be somebody who doesn't want to let you know that they said that thing because that would. It was social media. It was the pre. It was the pre-existent social media. That's, right. The media That's right. Card. That's, That's right. Yeah.
0: So so how? And this is completely aside from the questions that we've that we've prepared for you. But I'm I want to continue down this track just a little bit. It, it, how did that then affect your your leadership moving forward? Like, is that because I've always I've always admired uh, your humility, your your transparency mm-hmm. when you're leading. Like, there's mm-hmm. no like. I've never gotten the impression when you lead worship that uh, you know, that I'm watching the Dan Wakefield show, you know, um, which, you know, maybe that we need to change the name of the podcast. Now um, we've, we've, can I sign from, up for
1: the, to be the co-host? That's right. Okay. Okay. That would be awesome. um,
0: anyone's better than me, right, Paul? Is that what you're trying uh, to say? Anyone. Um, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, did that, how did that then shape your leadership going forward? Was there, was there a, was there an overcorrection toward like, you know, oh, I don't ever want to be perceived as that again? Was it like water off a duck's back? You're just like, eh, people be people. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be me. Like what, how did that impact your leadership moving forward?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I um, I think it it really did affect me moving forward in that I I really wanted um, to be anti that, mm-hmm. Um I wanted to be really genuine and um wanted it to come across genuinely and I wanted to each time I led worship I wanted it to be something real and in the moment and something that I'm experiencing mm-hmm. um but I think you know over these past several years as well as as God has led me through some different things and and I'm on these different journeys I think I've come to understand or or beginning to understand maybe um that you know that that kind of thing there's a lot more gray in it um that I'm constantly forever at least the side of heaven not leading with pure motives um mm. and that there is something that you know i I do want to be thanked or seen you know um mm. or I want to do it well, and I want to be appreciated for that um. And and so there's always maybe a mixed motive thing going on in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll never mm-hmm. be 100% pure or whatever. But then also I think there's been this this whole other thing of like, you know, the, this concept of performing is actually not necessarily bad. Um, and I think I always took it to an extreme in my head. And, I, you know, the story of in the Bible, the king who hears everybody shouting that he's a God and he takes it to heart and he believes. And then it says Mm -hmm. that worms ate him and he died. You know, it's like, (laughs) like super crazy. Like I'm amazing. I'm a God. People love me, you know? Um, but that, you know, there actually is something really beautiful when somebody performs and they do something amazing. Right. And they've worked really hard at it. Um, they've spent a lot of time developing their craft or, you know, if it's a song or a, Uh, Something they're they're sharing theater or whatever you know, and and to be appreciated in that is beautiful you know, Mm -hmm. um, so I think I it's been a kind of a crazy journey from that silent roll call card and and how that interacts with leading worship and how that interacts with art and making music and so yeah,
1: and you so you have this interesting journey in that you start with leading worship in churches, start with, you know, pastoring people. And now you've come to a place where you, you're you not in a church anymore. You're composing music. That's what's interesting. I, how did that transition happen? And what are some of the things that you, you think are really the same in that work and the work you do now?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well it it's somewhat of a long story, and I'll spare you all the details, but I was a worship pastor full time for eleven and a half years, mm-hmm. and we felt led to go be a part of um a ministry that was kind of a missions thing and so we we left full time church ministry and we um tried to raise support and went to to do that and After about six months, it just you know it wasn't working. Um, we weren't able to raise money like we thought we would. We weren't quite sure what we were going to do next missions wise. Um, we had gone out for training. And so we had done, done this training for, for four or five months. Um, and then, you know, things we were kind of left with like, well, now what? And we didn't really know where to go at that point. And for me personally, one of the things that that subconsciously I was really looking for was writing music. Um, I really wanted to be writing a lot of music and sharing that and doing that regularly. And so I th- I, I, subconsciously, I, I felt like I was stepping into that. And then all of that stuff was kind of, you know, it felt like the ground was crumbling away from under us. And then an opportunity came to be a worship pastor again at another church full-time and that brought us to to Greeley, Colorado, which is actually where we are now, and uh, and so that was fine. But over those those years, as I was doing that, all of that stuff that had kind of been brought up in my heart about songwriting and trying to step into some of this um, hadn't gone away, and it was increasing. And so that that passion and desire, and and even a sense of calling, and like that's what I'm made to do is to write music. Was growing, but I feared if I could do that. I feared if I could make a living doing that, um, if this was going to be possible at all, you know, all of that stuff. And as, as that was growing, some things were changing at the church, and it just ended up being this perfect time that I left the ministry there to pursue some of this other stuff that was growing and, and, uh, you know, kind of work wise, I had gotten a job, um, a gig scoring a film, which was bringing up all this passion that I'd had for years to score films. And that kind of came out of nowhere, you know, kind of a God thing, I think. And so that, that kind of stuff seemed like it was, was happening more, and then I actually had this kind of mental picture um, when I was out running. I felt like God gave me this picture of a crossfade. And for all of you musicians that do like mm-hmm. stuff in a Daw, you know, you can <laughs> you see the the one thing getting quieter and the other thing getting louder. And it that really resonated with me. And I shared that with my pastor at the time, and he that really resonated with him too. And mm. and so I felt like that year was a lot of crossfading. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for me, but for the church, and then also for my wife, because she mm. she actually started to work on staff at the church part time during mm-hmm. that season, and and now she's a full time pastor at at that church, and and that's oh, still really? where we go, that's yeah. still our home church. Um, but so then that you know coming out of uh, a full time church ministry position, there were lots of things that I wrestled with, but but one of the things was the question of what does God call people out of ministry? Because Mm -hmm. I had grown up with this ethos that God called people into ministry. He got, he calls people, you know, to go to Africa or to to give up their high paying job and take this really low paying job at a church, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And that was always just kind of how I thought God worked. Um, But, you know, through all of this, it was, it was clear in a number of different ways that God was calling me to trust him and to step into some of these things and to, to move out of a full-time ministry position. I don't know if I answered your question, but absolutely, that was was a bunch of stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that was, I think that's, I don't think you're alone in, in that, that belief, which I think is ultimately kind of a miss a misplaced belief, obviously like you've, because you're experiencing right now, like we always we always think of it as being you're you're called into something. Rarely do we yeah. ever mm-hmm. do we ever hear about the pastor that's been called out of ministry mm-hmm. into something right. different. And so, mm-hmm. um, right. so yeah, I feel like that's a that's an important distinction to make, especially you know in this in this day and age, uh, you know this time that we live in, where you know a lot of pastors, music ministers are are leaving the church, mm. you know, we, yeah. we're all trying to like diagnose this problem and, and fix it so that people will stay and all that. It's like, mm-hmm. none of us want to consider the fact that maybe these people are being called out of this position mm. as opposed to them just being, you know, lazy, you know, yeah. Gen Zers who don't want to, I don't want put in the work, you know. <laughs> we always look
1: at it as a failure. Right. Like if mm. somebody quits a job, you know, then it was mm-hmm. like, oh, they couldn't. And so much of, what happens is the the scandal or the blow up or whatever mm-hmm. is is a lot of what people hear. But but I that that image of of the crossfade is so great. Now mm-hmm. and
0: the thing about calling is it also sorry I just go want ahead. to point out that would also be a great name for an eighties Christian rock band. <laughs> the calling, um,
1: mm. I, no the crossfade. I think we should go crossfade. Oh, crossfade. Yeah, was there a band called The Calling?
0: Probably, yeah, I oh, think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was probably born in the wrong era. I, sh- I should have been naming bands in the '80s. That's hilarious. But, uh, crossfade, yeah, Crossfade, like Strike. Sorry, you? go ahead with We're your Crossfade.
1: Um, I was thinking, like, even that word "calling" is even used beyond the church. People use it in the business world all the time, trying to find your calling, all that kind of stuff. How do you mm. think of calling now? How do you think of it now? Do you are you in a calling? Do you follow a calling? What is that from your perspective, Danny? Dan. Yeah.
2: Dan, hey, either way it's great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, calling, (laughs) calling to me has a lot to do with identity and how I am made or how each of us is made and designed. And then also I tend to be, well, if you've done anything with the Enneagram, the, it kind of gets broken into these three categories of personality type. There's um, the head, there's three people that kind of, three types of people that are led kind of through their head, three through their heart, and three through their gut. So it's this nine, there's nine different personality things in the Enneagram. And I tend to be in this gut triad is what they call it. And mm. I tend to really feel like I I make decisions based on my gut Mm. and my wife is in the head triad. So Mm. she does a really great job of, of helping me think. And, um, and sometimes, I I mean, a lot of times I really need that, you know, to, to think through my decision and not just go off my gut, like, Oh, I feel like I should, whatever. Um, But I, I, you know, as, as a Christian, I, I believe the Holy spirit speaks to me in that way. Um, of course, through all of these, through the mind, through the heart, through the gut, but I feel, um, leading in that way, um, Hmm. from the Holy Spirit. And then there's, you know, I talk with my wife and other people and try to, try to weigh that and make sure that I'm not, um, just hearing the, you know, the burger I had last night, but you know, no, it's (laughs) like, this is the Holy Spirit, (laughs) you know? Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's some of the, that gut feeling but but, then, a lot, I think with with identity and and how I'm made, and so that that's been a big part of my story the past several years. Um, I think growing up in the church and and going to school for what I did for music ministry, and then being in music ministry, there was a lot of like, well, I should do that, and I think that's what God likes. you know mm. i I just want to make make sure that God's happy and that other people think I'm doing the right thing and that I'm doing the right thing. But it got to this point It it's like, but I'm, I feel like I, you know, God put this desire in me to write music. I love writing music. It makes me really happy. Um, I think I'm decent at it. You know, I've, I've written music that people appreciate um, and all of these different things, you know, it's like, if I could just do this all the time, I would love it. And, and it would be life-giving and I want to get better at it. I want to develop it. I want to grow in it. And, uh, and so it was kind of like, I can't ignore that anymore. You know, there's this passion I have um, for writing music. And, you know, even to this day, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm really that good. And, and that's one of my, the fears, you know, like, what if I'm just like, I think I'm Good at it, but everyone else is like, oh my gosh, this guy needs to stop <laughs> yeah, writing music. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: is oh, anyone going to tell him? You hit on it.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you been reading my journal? Oh, I just, that is, yeah. I think that's, that's every day. Yeah, yeah. I think this anyway. is
1: very important, Danny. Uh, Dan, gosh, Danny, I'm in Danny's office. <laughs> I'm thinking about Danny, our audio producer, and then I'm yeah. talking to Dan. You'll you can just
2: to... call me Danny if you want to simplify things. <sighs> no. But anyway, uh, I, think, I think
1: what <laughs> you've doing. Let's call talk... you Helen. You'll be Helen <laughs> for Helen. the remainder of the episode. <laughs> just so we can keep things clear. Perfect. Uh, um, I think you're articulating something that is what I, what I struggle with, but I think a lot of creatives do, is that I have to pass a certain threshold of success mm. to justify myself as yeah. a musician. As an author, as mm-hmm. a painter, or a video, you know that's like I can't just work, go to work, make music and and have a reasonably happy life and successful life just doing this yeah. um and that there's a an enormous sort of like um they, they call that fraud, what is it called Brian imposter imposter syndrome? Imposter, syndrome. St- yeah. imposter syndrome right um and and I think you've you've nailed it, you've talked about it so. So clearly, but uh, yeah, that's something we we all struggle with, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I think I don't know what I think, I'm sorry, Helen, <laughs> I got us off track um
2: it's okay, Danny,
1: you know it's what's great is this part of the conversation where you say something that i'm that hits me in a in a personal place that I go, mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's really and but I would imagine, Dan, that would be a pretty. Scary thing to let go of something that you knew was kind of working, and even this ideal of like mm-hmm. I don't want to make God mad by going and doing the thing that I want to do mm-hmm. right was that something that you felt was like I went into ministry because I felt like I wanted to get make God happy mm-hmm. right, um, and if I do this, will I make God happy,
2: yeah, 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 that for sure. Well and, and I,
0: it, yeah. I I often wonder sorry I'm just going to completely interrupt the guest. Um, no, no, you're good. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that when I when I heard you kind of tell that part of the story it was, you know, am I am I making God happy it was followed almost immediately by am I making all these other people happy or am I right. doing this thing mm-hmm. that other people I feel like at least in in my own life um those voices get get combined Mm. you know like because Mm -hmm. i grew up in in kind of a tradition where people would tell you like well god told me to say that this is what you know this is what he has for you so if i'm hearing this from other people i i've never had i don't want to say never had at least back when i was younger i didn't have that sort of like you know, voice of God telling me like, Brian, this is what you're going to do. You know, this is Mm -hmm. what I made you, this is your identity. And this is what I made you to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it always came from other people. You know, it always came was my parents. It was pastors. It was people in the church who were like, oh, this is, we see so clearly, this is the direction of your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm, what I'm starting to unpack now is like, okay, so was that my, am I following a calling that came from these other people? Or is this really the way that I'm made, you know, and, and something that God really wanted me to go to, you know, you kind of have to sort through those voices, but, Mm -hmm. but man, that can really, that can really mess you up. This idea of like, am I doing this to make somebody else proud of me, you know, or, or even like, am I doing this just to make God happy? Like, Hey, God's happy with you. You know, God, God loves you, and you're His child, no matter what you end up doing. Whether you're writing yeah. songs for, you know, for movies, or whether you're standing on stage leading worship. So, I just, yeah, yeah that that idea of calling is really, it has been messing with me lately. So, mm. um, so anyway, any other questions you guys want to ask me while I'm uh, while I'm the guest here on the, <laughs> on the podcast? Sorry, let no, me just hijack so my own podcast. That's great. That's uh, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead,
1: Paul. You've got great questions. That's <laughs> well, hilarious. Dan, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there anything there that 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 was that uh, stirring up in you in terms of your own story?
2: Well, yeah. The uh, there was there was kind of this. It, it wasn't an overly strong picture, but just and and this is maybe an overused metaphor, but just this idea of maybe being a screwdriver that you're using like a hammer and it it works you know you're hammering <laughs> the nail in but it's like you know this is actually a screwdriver <laughs> and it works really well as a screwdriver you yeah. know um well. that metaphor breaks down a little bit and i think has has the past few years broken down even more for me because i do continue to lead worship but it's one of several things that i do and mm-hmm. and i the way I, I feel like I understand God more is that God is kind of this both and being that we in our humanity have a hard time understanding. We tend to try to make him an either or, mm-hmm. and I can go off and preach about this for a long time, but <laughs> you know, I think it's what creates denominations and it creates all these different branches and sects and this kind of thing because... We say, like, well, you know, this scripture says this. And then somebody, well, this scripture says this. Well, well, I've experienced God like this. Well, I've experienced God like this. And then we try to make that the one thing. And a lot of times they're they're opposites of each other. And we don't know what to do with that. And it's hard mm-hmm. to hold that intention. You know, we don't we don't like having things be gray or kind of, you know, it needs to be more black and white. And we need to have the answers and the the rules. And it and and maybe now i'm just speaking for myself but um mm-hmm. but i think this this concept of god being being this this both and thing that it's like yes just like what you just said brian you you lead worship and you write music for film and you teach music and you take care of your boys and you whatever you know that it's mm-hmm. it's kind of this whole spread of different things yeah Um, yeah
1: well one of the things one of the many hats that you do wear is you work back at the the college where we three met yeah and you are now in the position of the person who is helping guide young worship leaders and young students um on this journey um and uh, i i just think uh, this is this is an aside, but I was at a wedding recently with some of our professors, uh, some of our old professors, and I was speaking with cool. one of them. And I found out that I am four years older than they were when I met them in college. Whoa. And, and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And then wow. and we've been friends and we've been collaborators over the years. Um, well, first of all, how grateful I am that, uh, the fact that I can change and have changed throughout the, these many years. And I think the three of us, you know, the fact that we know each other and the fact that we still work with that university through all of its transitions and changes and stuff like that is pretty remarkable. But yeah. what do you think, you know, Dan, as, as the person now who is teaching and leading students um into being worship leaders. Um what what's like one of the biggest misconceptions that students have about leading worship for a church that you go oh i i know how to direct you away from that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or uh, i would i would add a caveat to like or do you feel like some of those things are things that they just have to experience? Like do you feel like it's mm-hmm. your responsibility to sort of steer them clear of those things mm-hmm. or or do you believe that that they they need, they actually need those experiences to, to go. So also I'll let you answer the question then, and then, and then qualify it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of the things they do need to experience and even not, not just because they need to experience them, but, but it's, you can't really teach that to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, several of the, 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 the individual class moments, you know, I, I'm, I feel this, uh, this need or something to spare them some of the things that I experienced, Mm. like, let me, let me make sure that you, you know, don't get your heart torn apart or something, you know, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. let me help you understand the way church can be. And, you know, don't put too much (laughs) hope in whatever here and that thing over there and make sure you're looking out for this and that, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I realized as I'm sharing these things that, you know i'm kind of this like person 20 years ahead of them um who maybe is i'm coming across like their dad you know and i'm like now, kids <laughs> A little get off my yeah. lawn kind yeah. of thing <laughs> life is hard and let me tell you some stuff you know yeah. um back in my day we didn't have click tracks <laughs> that's right we-, <laughs> <laughs> we used the overhead projector
0: We used Uh, an overhead projector and there was somebody who had to slide (laughs) that sheet up and down and they would give you a dirty look if you decided to do that chorus again. Uh, Anyway. But yeah, I mean, it's,
2: and and I'm sharing that thing, those things with them and I can see that it's not getting anywhere, you know? Um, and I realized that, you know, it doesn't need to get anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll share it and you know I'll say what I feel like I need to say but they have beautiful innocence in a way that mm. they love God and they love music and they love people and they want to serve and yeah. great you know and so I think the the place that I feel like I have been coming back to more is is like trying to help them know that God loves them no matter what like what you said Brian earlier and that God has created them and that God has a great plan for them, no matter what. And um, that they are great at what they're doing, not to just say that they are perfect. They need to grow and learn like all of us. But, you know, this—if if I can help kind of give that foundation, then when, if, right? Or when, five years down the road, <laughs> 10 years down the road, you know, the church staff changes direction or the the elders aren't happy anymore the congregation writes a silent roll call card and they kick you (laughs) off the team or you know whatever might happen Mm -hmm. and they get burnt out and they get tired and they get disillusioned and all that kind of stuff that hopefully if if in that moment they remember more of these foundational things then then they'll be good right and then i feel like Mm -hmm. i'm giving them what i can and and i think also that's probably the very best thing for them to have anyway as a worship leader is to have some kind of deep real relationship with god mm-hmm. um and and this idea of calling just like we were talking about a few minutes ago i think that that if you are hearing the call from god then it really is just about that you know it's it's jesus walking around with his disciples and being like hey let's go over there hey, let's go over there. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. And not necessarily like, hey, from now on, we're always every single day, we're going to go into the temple and we're always going to do this and we're always going to do that. And now I'm going to take off and you just keep doing the exact same thing every single day. you know. But there's something relational about it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, God wants me to lead worship today. Oh, God wants me to talk with that person today. Oh, God wants me to do plumbing that day. Oh, God wants me to <laughs> write music for the film that day or whatever, you know? And mm-hmm. and I think that that relational thing is probably the, the best thing that I could impart. Yeah. Um,
0: That's great. How do
2: you, as you look at this,
0: this next crop of worship leaders um, that are coming up and learning, uh, how do you feel about the future of corporate worship in the church, with okay. these, with these leaders that are that are going to be, um, kind of taking the, taking the helm from the old geezers like us.
2: <laughs> I think the thing that I worry about the most, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. mm. is the the image of leading worship or of of being mm. a worship leader. I think social media has done a a terrible thing to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah. and and i i guess i just i don't want um the worship leaders that are up and coming to kind of buy that lie that it's about having the right image, you know, that it's mm-hmm. about looking the right way and saying the right things and doing all the right things up on stage but then not having something real underneath that. Um and of course, there's a ton of reasons why, why that's, it's good to have something real and, um, mm-hmm. and not worry about the image. But, um, <clears throat> but the image can, I mean, that's such a, I feel like it just becomes such a, it's a bigger part of church ministry um, because things are being videoed and broadcast and there is social media reality. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can be really difficult to, you know, how do you show something that's real? Right, quote unquote real. Right. I mean, hopefully it's real. Um mm-hmm. and and what does that look like and how do you even deal with that? And uh yeah. especially when there's kind of a the big machine of church ministry where you just have to keep doing it every week, every week, mm-hmm. every week, you know, and um it can lose a little bit of its its humanity and its relational vibe and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um So I think, I think that worries me the most and what, what does that look like and what does that mean for these students? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I find that interesting because you've got this, this combination of, you know, the influence of social media and the prevalence of, you know, churches that are able to live stream and and put video, um, you know, video of themselves out into the world. Um, You know, having these experiences and all that kind of stuff with this other side of like people being incredibly distrustful (laughs) of -hmm. anything that they see, you know, not only on the Internet, but uh, deeply distrustful of churches, too, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like you have these you have these competing camps of like, oh my gosh, did you see the latest video from such and such? Like what a great experience, what a great song. And then you've got the people on the other side who are like, ah, they're probably just like every other church. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's probably all kinds of terrible crap going on behind the scenes and blah, 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 all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I feel like social media and things like YouTube um, have done, uh, they, they've been a great resource for a lot of churches and for a lot of worship leaders, but um, but i think that the the damage that they've done to the culture of worship in the church is is pretty uh has been pretty devastating so yeah. uh, i appreciate you you bringing that yeah. up what how can you as as someone in in this position with these young leaders how can you help sort of i don't want to say combat it because i don't want it to be a, a you know a battle um although mm. it kind of is we're in the battle <laughs> for the very soul of worship um yeah. uh, how do you sort of, I don't know, maybe help nudge them in different directions, or or help help them sort of find a more authentic expression uh, of leading worship outside of the, you know, maybe not even outside, but but in the context of this sort of YouTube social media worship phenomenon that we're in right now.
2: Yeah. Well, I like I said a few minutes ago. I I, I really want to teach the students and, and anybody to have, to, to go for this relational concept of, mm-hmm. of knowing God and being known by him and, um, and what worship looks like. Um, and, and I think the thing with that is that it's very, that's very messy and unclear mm-hmm. because what does it mean to know God? What does it mean to know him? I, you know, I might figure that out when I'm 90. I don't know, but you know, like, (laughs) what does that actually look like and mean? How do we quantify that in somebody else? And I think that's the the point, right? Is that we're constantly, as humans, trying to quantify each other's whatever. Like, do you really know God, or or are you really that? Mm -hmm. Are you really that? Or what about this and that? And we're trying to put each other in boxes and and whatever that is, right? And um, and I think if you if you can have that relationship with God and have that walk and have that journey and know that it's a struggle and know that you'll fail and to keep trying, um, to try again, that's kind of been one of my mantras Mm -hmm. internally lately. It's like, Oh, that wasn't that good. Well, I'll try again. You know, Mm -hmm. Oh, that didn't work out the way I thought. Well, I'll try again. Um, and just having this. So, so this kind of, you know, daily walk, with God in that sense, um, as a worship leader, I think is, is invaluable. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
2: uh, and as a musician, you know, you keep growing and, and I think that the music in the church should be incredible, right? It should be awesome and creative and unique and well done and well recorded and well produced and, and all of that. And then I think that it should also be this amazing, Character of real people right that are mm-hmm. messing up and making mistakes and um but you know the again kind of the machine of church is is really tricky, and I talk about this with my wife now that she's a full time pastor and and you guys have yeah. seen too right there's just kind of mm-hmm. seemed like a constant stream of stories in the news of that yeah. pastor that failed and that pastor and that thing that happened and that thing that happened and um it's really uh it's really tiring and sad, you know, and mm. how do you deal with that, you know? Um so I, I think again, like having this kind of relational walking both together with each other and and with God, um, it's kind of the best you can do. And and mm. even if you're like if you have great character, right, and if you have if you're a great musician, right, you can have maybe all those things checked, all those boxes checked. Well, there might come a time where the church is now trying to reach some other people, right? And they've got some different ideas, and and now maybe everything else is fine, but you, as a person, as a worship leader, are just not the right fit anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, we we all encounter that in different ways, and and that's okay. That's just mm-hmm. a part of being human and a part of life. And um, I think that relationship between a worship pastor or worship leader in a church, it doesn't have to be like a marriage. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, now we're getting divorced and it's awful and terrible. And
1: what great. do we do with the kids? Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It can just be like, well, yeah, it's in that sense, it's kind of business. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole bunch of weird mash. Well
1: what's but <laughs> beautiful, Dan, is like really pick up on the graciousness that you hold the church in and also your life in, which is this letting yourself, giving yourself some permission to not get it right. Mm -hmm. And to, and to go like, you know, I'm going to try again. And, Mm -hmm. and even your image of the crossfade sort of thing. It's just like, why, why um, resist it and fight it? Mm -hmm. Like if you are actually in a place of trust, if you actually do have this, this kind of relationship with God that says, you know, everything is on purpose and coming from him, then, then you're like, Oh, okay. Then this, then I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. Then everything is fine. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in the right way. I'm doing the the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, When everything, and I do mean everything inside out, inside and out of the church is so anxious about getting it right and Mm -hmm. making a mistake. Um, what if I, what if I, you know, on one end, it's like, what if I get their pronouns wrong? Or what if Mm. I, you know, what if, what if these other things happen and they're, I'm going to get canceled Mm. on the other side of the, of the, the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's what if I don't believe the right things? What if I, I can't, Mm. what if I can't say that thing about the atonement that I used to say, you know, am I going to get canceled? Am I going to thrown out? Is there any place for me to have doubts or questions about mm-hmm. one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and our culture is going is saying, absolutely not. There's no way for you to have doubts. But with Jesus, right. it's a different thing, right? With yeah. Jesus says, yeah, I'm not worried about that. You might go over here and do this thing for a while and realize you were wrong, and that's fine. You're going to go over here and realize, oh, that's not it either. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Your life is not going to end at any one of these decisions, right? Um, yeah. I would imagine that that there is much more anxiety among college students today uh with that. Mm. Is that what you've seen too?
2: Yeah, that uh I don't know. That I think that's mm. that's right on. Um Yeah, I I'm just trying to think of what I've seen the students worried about um I don't know. Yeah, I I think mm. that's a really great insight. Mm. Yeah.
1: What's the, what's the worst advice you were given in your, in your career when it came to like, I don't know, anything,
2: what's, the, what's something that stands <laughs> like out to, to, to you? It's like, <laughs> Gosh, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I need to think on that. I think for, for longer. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could, I could give you some bad advice right now.
0: So just so that you would can be great. Okay. Yeah. I, I could use some of that.
2: You know, actually this kind of connects with some other conversation I've been having lately with with some friends and with Mariana, um, I think some of the, and I don't know if this is necessarily advice, but I think some of the concept of, um, of roles like gender roles or, mm. or roles in the family yeah. that I, that I was given growing up, like became, you know, that, that necessarily wasn't built off of something good or biblical or godly. you right. That was yeah. built more off yeah. of tradition. Um, so, you know, I think that's actually been some really good, like, undoing and unraveling mm. Mm. For, for Mariana and me, for my wife and I, that, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, if she's gonna have a full-time job, you know, and great, okay, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for her? And she's had to wrestle with that, you know, and mm-hmm. if I'm gonna have a bunch of part-time jobs, that's great, Wh- what does that mean, you know, and it yeah. it ends up making things messy and and making things you know you have to kind of adjust and roll with things here and there and mm-hmm. and that that's great it can be hard but it's great um, yeah so
1: yeah. i i i think that's absolutely true and especially something that you've as we jump into non-traditional ways of making money and holding these roles mm-hmm. both in our society and in our families um we get to see uh I, I would say that that definitely does fit within um how that crossfade looks. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're step we're leaving something else, we're moving on to something else. As mm-hmm. as Mariana is is crossfading up into mm-hmm. a certain kind of frequency, you know, yeah. a different channel mm-hmm. or whatever you want to use the metaphor. Um yeah. and and we're all gonna, I think it is something we're all going to face. Mm -hmm. And regardless of where you are in your career, we're all going to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, that's, that's this huge reminder for me that,
2: uh,
1: that this is not something that it's wrong when it happens. It's natural. It's inevitable. Uh, we're going to need to lean into it sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, at different stages of our lives. Um, yeah, that's such a great reminder. It's really Mm good. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I'm thinking that I don't want to to take too much more of your time, but I do want um, people to know where to find you. We could do we? Do we have, what do we have for time? Do you want to keep going, uh, Brian? We, I don't know. We could. We, Dan, you could tell us
0: what uh, how uh, how yeah. we can find out about your music yeah. and okay uh, where we can watch. You know where we can hear you in film. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah l- tell us a little bit about that and how we can, uh, how we can listen to the beautiful things that you create for our uh-huh. ears.
2: Yeah. Well, my website is probably the best place to do that. It kind of has everything combined and it has links to other things. That's danielewakefield.com. Um, but I'm also on YouTube and um, you know, all the streaming music services, Spotify and Apple mm. music and stuff. And then um. IMDB, if you're ever on there, the Internet Movie Database, um, wow. you can find me there and see see what I've composed there. I've I've uploaded some different examples there, but it also has links to some of the projects that I've worked on. So,
0: okay, what's been your favorite movie
2: so far that you've worked on? Um, well, I really enjoyed. It was a movie called The Forgiving. Um, okay, that okay. one came out. I guess that was two years ago. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was really well written. Um, it's a story of a a man. Oh, uh, he's he's probably a little bit older than us, but he's a he's a professor, and his his young child has died like several mm-hmm. years before. And it's him dealing with the grief and trying to figure out life and trying to um, forgive himself primarily. And mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a pretty heart wrenching story, but but just a, a great story of hope and. Um, and I really enjoyed doing the music for that, the the director wanted it to be mostly solo cello. And so I, I got to work with this great cellist in the area. She did an amazing job. Her name is Romina Monsanto. And, um, I wrote the score for her and, and I played piano on it and and added a little bit, a few other percussion things, but I really enjoyed some of those themes that I got to compose for that. And, uh, Mm. and writing to that picture, it was really well shot. And, uh, the acting was really nice. It's a low-budget yeah. film, and they they did a great job with that. So I liked cool. that one a lot.
0: Cool. Fantastic. I would ask you what your least favorite is, but um, <laughs> but I don't. I would love for you to continue working. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, don't need you to get canceled.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no canceling on that. Um. Well, Dan, this has been a, really a delightful conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Likewise. Thanks for for sharing your wisdom, your insight. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I know, you know, just there's parts of this conversation that's going to just kind of linger with me through the rest of the day, mm-hmm. actually, as mm-hmm. I think about, me too. you know, my own journey and all those things. So amazing. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for you. having
2: me. I I yeah. have appreciated your friendship so much over all these years. And I'm just always very encouraged by you guys and Really glad that I get to be your friend and get to oh, do yeah. life with you guys. You guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, likewise. likewise. the
0: same way. Thanks, man. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, talk to you soon. All right.
1: Take care, you guys. See what I mean? Like, that guy was yeah. gu- gold. Just pure Just, gold. They should yeah. call it Wakefield Gold. Wakefield Gold. Coining it so, right now. Trademark, yeah. Paul Romy
0: Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing that, that I think really stuck out to, to us as we listened back through it, um, mm-hmm. this idea of a crossfade, yes. um, in, in ministry life. And, and I mean, I've heard a lot about it, you know, happening in people's professional lives, not that ministry isn't professional. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of like, Going from from one season to another, um, and it's it's interesting. This just came to mind um, because Paul, I I did uh, start listening to uh, "Strength to Strength" oh. um, by by Arthur Brooks, and. Yeah. And he talks about this kind of, you know, the second half of life, like getting on a second curve, like just because things may be diminishing for you in your career or in your life right now, that doesn't mean that it has to be the end. Like you can take, you know, the, the information that you've crystallized over time and, and turn that into wisdom that you can pass on to future generations. And that can be the start of your second curve. Um, and I know you. You know you've it's been, been reading that as well. And and yeah the, yeah, the crossfade. What what kind of stuck out to you in in that in
1: those comments, Paul? Oh man, when he said that, it was such a visual thing. I could see it on my like on my laptop. That a da where I'm using two tracks and I'm getting I'm I'm ending one and I'm beginning another thing, mm-hmm. and that happens not because. One track is wrong or bad or whatever. it's like it's finished and I need to keep I need to keep the composition going. Mm-hmm. Um, the metaphor really struck out, struck me um and especially because Dan has so uh navigated that transition i aspire to navigate it like he has Mm -hmm. you know i think he he still holds open space like he still worship leads and he Mm -hmm. and but he's composing music for film and he is creating his own music and and he's making a life and that's really great and for me often i kind of get stuck like in one sort of thing i know brian and i have both said like this is all we know how to do. What are mm-hmm. we going to do? What other <laughs> job could we do? All this sort of stuff. And I think then, you know, like, uh, as our friends Marcel and Cindy say, there's like, there's too much on that. You know, mm-hmm. or there's mm-hmm. like, there's too much writing on that. There's a, yeah. or is it, there's a, I don't know how they say it, but it's basically like, that's carrying too many things. Mm-hmm. Um hmm and so having people uh, along the journey say, Hey, have you tried it like this? Have you held it like this? And then obviously like learning, learning from Jesus and, and you know how Eugene Peterson says, you know, in uh, his translation of Matthew is like learning the unforced rhythm of grace. Right. You would go like, Oh, maybe if I learn like this, right. That was mm-hmm. just super encouraging to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just uh. Yeah, if you if you have a chance to to check out uh Daniel's stuff um on uh on Spotify or or yeah. uh, or find him on on IMDb. the internet's mm-hmm. um, IMDb too yeah. like that's that's just crazy to me like there's somebody that that I know who is
1: on IMDb, you know. So that's there there're probably
0: more people than I than I you probably know a few, uh, that I know who yeah.
1: Um, um, um cuz I think the first he did was actually for a a, a a horror film about witches, which is, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. just brilliant. Just perfect. Yeah. Uh, th- yep. That would be the first project yeah. he would do after leaving churches.
0: <laughs> it's just yeah. awesome. You're no longer w- leading worship at church. Here's a movie about witches. We'd like to do <laughs> the, m- the music for it. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Um, hey, uh want to... Uh, want to let you know uh, speaking of the the unforced rhythms of grace, yeah. and figuring out kind of uh you know issues of calling and how we handle you know the workload that is put upon us as worship leaders um, if you are feeling that strain and you're feeling like you're burned out, um, we would love to invite you into the green room. Um, the Green Room is a twelve-month uh, uh, coaching and spiritual formation platform that uh, that we have put together. Um, that is designed to help um, worship leaders and and creatives within the church kind of reclaim uh, their creative soul and 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 uh, get themselves on a healthier path um, than just running from Sunday to Sunday, trying to make sure that you know that everything works and and everything is you know bright and shiny and and. Re- teaches people, um, years and years of doing that and only focusing on what happens on the weekend has left a lot of us just really dry and worn out. And, um, and so, uh, Paul and I have, uh, created a space, um, for worship leaders to, uh, to stop, uh, twice a month and, and gather with other worship leaders who feel like they may be in the same space, um, and begin to kind of dig deeper into some of the questions that we have and, and, uh, dig deeper into some of the things that have led us to this place. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, if you are interested and that sounds like something you would like to join, you can go to greenroomleaders.com. Um, and, uh, there's lots of helpful information on there about what, uh, that coaching platform looks like and, uh, and how it could
1: possibly help you. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah. So. Um, and uh, please check it out. If you're a worship leader, yeah, please join us at The Green Room. But also, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, if you, you think what you're getting is really valuable and helps you in both your work and your life, um, mm-hmm. would you consider supporting us? Um, please. Go over yes. to our Patreon page. Um, Torn Curtain Arts. There's different levels. You can support us for as little as $3 a month. um, And we would love your support. And if you can't do that right now, that's totally fine. If you can just leave a review, give us a thumbs up, or share us somehow to a friend that listens to podcasts, that would be amazing because uh we depend on support um torn mm-hmm. curtain arts is a 501c3 nonprofit so we depend on people who believe in our mission and want to see us continue in the world so that would be amazing yeah. please consider giving and uh, thanks for listening
0: yeah you will uh, you'll notice yeah we don't do any uh any adverts as our yeah, british yeah. friends would say we don't um we don't take any kind of outside advertising money or anything like that to put this podcast on. This is all um, done through uh, through your help and through the generous help of our uh, of our donors and, and supporters. So if you'd like to be one of those, um, like Paul said, uh, check out our Patreon page or you can go to torncurtainarts.org. Um, and yeah, I think uh, actually Danny is going to say a little bit about that during the, uh, the little outro that he does. So let's just... Uh, Let's let him do that right now.
2: Take it away, Danny. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and distributed by Resonate Media. Your hosts are Brian Davis and Paul Romig-Levitt with editing and mixing by Danny Burton. Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and your tax-deductible gifts make our work possible. For more information about TCA... And to partner with us in our ongoing work, visit torncurtainarts.org.